Good morning. I think we could just say amen and go home. He's alive and that's all we need to hear because it's, it's Jesus Christ. It's what it's all about. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. He died. He rose. He ascended to heaven. And we have the promise he's coming back. You can't get any more encouragement than that. If you're feeling down today or low or sad or discouraged about anything, just remember that Jesus is alive. He loves us and he's with us through this journey of life until one day he calls us home and we enter through those gates never to come back to this world again. We're leaving here and never coming back. We're checking out and we're not coming back. And that is so encouraging to our hearts today. We're so thankful. And dear Taylor is singing that new song that, that she had for us today. It was very, very beautiful. And we're thankful for that. Shall we just say a word of prayer? Father, we're so thankful that your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, has won our salvation on the cross. He defeated death by dying. He gave us life and victory over death. And Lord, we thank you that we're going to be with you forever. And we pray now that you'll calm and quiet our hearts and speak to us in, in low tones, Lord, in, into our hearts, which you want us to hear today, a special personal message that each one of us needs today. And we just pray that the Holy Spirit will be our guide and our teacher, that you'll hide me behind the cross, Lord, and that you will take the words and apply them to each and every person. And so we commit this time to you and pray for your guidance and blessing in Jesus' precious name. Amen. How many have heard about the movie The Young Messiah? Young Messiah? We've heard about it, right? The interesting thing about The Young Messiah is it's on the early life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us very, very little about the early life of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, it all has to be speculation because we really don't know. But we know one thing is what we're going to read here this morning is found in the gospel according to Luke chapter two and verses 40 and 52. And it's amazing to realize that the Lord Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. We know about his birth and we know how he grew up and he became a man and we know he worked in his father's, earthly father, Joseph's carpenter shop. And then at the age of 30, he began his ministry. And for three years, he proclaimed the word of God, healed people, preached the word. And then he went to the cross and he died for us. But there's very little known about from the birth up through that 30th year. We don't know very much. But what we do know is that the Lord Jesus Christ came down from the Father to do His will. And we knew that that was His one main mission, is to do the will of the Father. And He did it. And He finished it. And He fulfilled it. And so we're thankful today. And we can ask ourselves this question today. Do I, like the Lord Jesus Christ, have that singular desire to serve Him more than anything in this world? Because there's a lot of things in this world you can be involved in. Whether it's sports, and you know me, I love sports. You can be involved in politics. You can be involved in, in all kinds of hobbies and pastimes and interests in this world. But there's nothing, and I mean nothing more important than serving the Lord. 
That is our purpose. We heard it at the breaking of bread. It's about him. It's about what he did on the cross. We may not have all the knowledge that, Paul, you're very right on that. We know so little. And we even really know so little of the Bible compared to what we will know in the future. But what we do have and what we do know is we have a personal relationship with Christ and he is our focus. He is our purpose in life. That's what life is really all about. You can have success in the world. You can get good grades in college, graduate with honors. You can get a job in a great company. You can go through your whole life, make a lot of money, retire, have your own island, right? Own your own island, whatever it is. But nothing, and I mean nothing, is going to matter compared to serving the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, having him with you, knowing that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's our savior. He's our Lord. He's our redeemer. And he has a a purpose for us to fulfill in this world is to be a blessing for him. And the Lord Jesus Christ, when he came to do the father's will, he had a determination to do it. And not only a determination to do the father's will, but he had a delight to do the father's will. It was his destiny to do it. And the title of our message this morning is being about the father's business. Let's read together Luke chapter two and Ed will put it up on the screen. We'll read verses 40 to 52. These are the verses that tell us a little glimpse of this one, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to this earth and grew up to be our savior. Luke chapter two, beginning at verse 40, New King James. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And so when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Listen to these words. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? And they did not understand that statement, which he spoke to them. Then it says in verse 51, then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. That was why he came. He said, do you not know that I must be about my father's business? The Lord Jesus Christ was on a mission to do the father's will, to accomplish his work. And that included going all the way to the cross. He didn't allow himself to be distracted. 
He didn't allow himself to be bogged down with the minutia of this world. And when Satan tempted him, he came at Satan with the word of God and he went forth proclaiming the kingdom of God and bringing souls to Christ. And that was his mission and that's what he came to fulfill. And it's interesting when he says, my father's business, he's not talking about his earthly father, Joseph, because Joseph was a businessman. He owned a carpentry shop. And we know from the tradition and things that happened at that time that Jesus was a carpenter. He worked in the carpentry shop and he probably made the finest things in that carpentry shop. But he wasn't talking about that business. He's talking about his heavenly father's business. He was talking about doing God's will and accomplishing our salvation. In John chapter 4 and verse 34, it says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish or accomplish his work. And that's what he did. And he wasn't satisfied until he did it. Someone once said these words, God's will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. And that was the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ, to do God's will. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else, but to do God's will. And how about us today? Do we have that commitment to do the will of God? Nothing less, more, nothing less, nothing else? That that's our purpose, that that's our goal, that that's what we want to fulfill? That's what it should be. And when we're about our Father's business, we don't let the things of this world get us down. We don't let our problems, our sorrows, our trials keep us from that mission. The Lord knows our hearts. He knows what we go through. But he says, be about the Father's business. Be about God's work. And that's what's really important. Ed's going to put up on the board this morning the three qualities that we really need if we're going to do the Father's business. If we're going to be about the Father's business, we're going to need three things. Number one, we're going to need a willingness. We have to be willing to do God's will, willing to do the Father's work. Secondly, we have to have availability. We have to make ourselves available for God's work and service. And number three, we have to be useful. We have to look at what it means to be useful for the kingdom of God. You know, a true servant is humble and doesn't look for earthly rewards or gratification in this world, but is willing to do whatever God asks him to do. And so that is the challenge. And if you can say, I'll do God's will, no ifs, no ands, and no buts. That's what it's all about. Because so many times, Lord, I'll do your will if you do this for me. I'll do your will, Lord, but and if you do this. Or I'll do your will... But I have to do this first, Lord, or I have to do it this way. No, the Lord wants us to have no qualifications, no restrictions on what he did. A while back, we studied the book of Genesis when Adel did the Bible study for us. It's been quite a while now. And we studied about J Jacob. And Jacob was a very interesting character. And we all have a little bit of Jacob in us. I know I do. All of us do. But when Jacob went off, to go off to the land. He was going to find his bride there and he was leaving because his brother was threatening to kill him. And there he was on the way on the journey. It says in Genesis chapter 28 and verse 20, Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on 
so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. You know, if God does this for me, he does this. He gives me this house. He gives me this job. He gives me these friends. He gives me this and this and this. If he does all of that for me, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'll serve him. I'll, I'll do whatever he wants. But what happens is, he might not give you that exact thing you ask for. But you know what? He's giving you something better. He always gives something better. God doesn't say, I'm not going to give you uh, this. But he gives us something better. He gives us something better. And it's always that way. But if we come to him and say, Lord, give me what you, your will is for me. We will be so happy because what God gives is always the best for us. He has a plan and a purpose and he's going to do it. And those who serve God with success, don't put any restrictions on God. Don't put any qualifications on it, but say, Lord, I'll do it. And it starts with our attitude and then our aptitude. Sometimes we switch it around. We put the aptitude first. God puts the attitude first. When he looked at David, he saw a man after his own heart. Remember when Saul was chosen king of Israel, he was the first king. He was so tall. It says he was taller than any of his contemporaries. Strong, tall. He had it from a physical standpoint. But his heart started off right, but went way far, far wrong, way far wrong. And David had that heart that feared God and God blessed him. Someone once said, if you will be all God wants you to be, then you can be all God wants you to do. You can do all God wants you to do. I'll say that again. If you will be all God wants you to be, then you can do all God wants you to do. And that's why Paul said in Philippians 4 through 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's a promise. That is a promise. But we have to be willing to say yes to God. And how many times do we say maybe instead? We don't say, no, Lord, I'm not going to do it. But we say maybe. He wants us to say yes to him and no to this world. Yes to him and no to the devil. Yes to him and no to our own flesh. And if we can do that, we will have victory. We will be able to serve the Lord. But the temptations out there are great and severe. And we have to always realize the devil is going to try to keep us from fulfilling God's will and doing his will. He's going to try He's going to try everything. And he knows you and I very well. And he knows what he can do to try to get us off track. There's a lady named Henrietta Mears who wrote a book, The Henrietta Mears Story. And in this book, she said, will is the whole man active. I cannot give up my will. I must exercise it. I must will to obey. When God gives a command or a vision of truth, it is never a question of what he will do. But what will we do? What will we do? She says to be successful in God's work is to fall in line with his will and to do it his way. All that is pleasing to him is a success. Jesus said it so well. I must be about my father's business. That word must doesn't leave any wiggle room. It doesn't leave any room for a, an escape clause or anything else. He says, I must be about my father's business. And we should feel that same way. And the question is, am I willing to do it? 
to serve the Lord even when it's tough, even when it's inconvenient, even when it's difficult. Serve the Lord. I have observed over the years, Adel and Sylvia, and they're not here to hear it, and they're probably at the hospital, they probably can't even hear it. But I have always seen them have this kind of willingness to serve the Lord under pain. I've seen them in times of pain, in times when their house was broken into, in times when people were giving them a hard time. And I've seen it down through the years. And they've kept up that willing spirit to do God's will no matter what. Sylvia teaches it. Adel teaches it. And guess what? They practice it. They do it. And that's what all of us should be doing too. We should say, Lord, I'm willing. I'm signing up. I'll be in it for the long run. I want to serve you. And that's what Jesus said. He says, I must be about my father's business. Secondly, it's not only important to have a willing spirit, but we also have to be available. No servant of God can do the work of God if you don't show up, if you don't, if you don't get there to the starting line. You know, no race is ever won at the starting line, but it can be lost there, can it, if the runner doesn't show up? Have you ever seen that? The runner didn't make it to the starting line on time. We saw it one time in the Olympic Games where the runner... He, he, his alarm or whatever didn't go off on time and he didn't make it to the starting line. So how can you win the race if you don't make it to the starting line? And so many Christians today don't make it to the starting line. The Lord will help us to get through the race and to win it. But we have to show up. We have to be faithful. We have to be there. And then we can serve the Lord. Faithful men and faithful women of God don't look at what's in it for them, but what's in it for God. And that's the key to it. That's why David, we mentioned him already this morning, was available to the Lord. And it's interesting how we all know the story about David and how he fought Goliath. And Randy spoke on it and different people have given messages on it. We all have. But it's interesting because the reason for David being at the battlefront was simply to do what his father asked him to do, right? His father said, take these cheeses, take this food, go to the battle lines, bring them to your brothers, they're fighting in Saul's army, and go. And he did. And his brothers put him down. What are you doing here? You left the poor sheep over there and you come down here and he put him down. And, and then David heard that Goliath and what he was doing to blaspheme the Lord and the armies of Israel. And so we know the story about how he got his sling. And he got that stone and he shot that giant down and killed him. But he was there in the first place because he did what his father asked him to do. He was available. He didn't say, well, Dad, I'm too tired today. I can't go down. I'm too busy today. I've got too many things to do. These sheep are really keeping me busy. Or he could have said, I just don't feel like it today. Maybe I'll feel like it tomorrow. And he would have missed the blessing. God would have raised up somebody else to slay that giant. He would have used somebody else to do the work. And that's what happens if we don't show up. God's going to use somebody else and we will miss the blessing. May the Lord help us to have that spirit of wanting to do the Lord's work and his interest first. I love the little book of Haggai. It's a short book in the Old Testament and it's really an amazing one. And in this book, the prophet 
Haggai rebukes the people of Israel who had returned back from from the captivity. And he says it with such strong words. He gives them a strong rebuke. And he says it to this in Haggai 1.4. Is it time for you to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruin? What a rebuke. He says, you're living in beautiful homes, nice manicured yards, two car, three car garages, all the amenities. You have everything here. God brought you back to the land. He's given you all these blessings. But look, the temple's in ruin. The the temple is destroyed. And you're thinking everything is okay because it's okay with you. You know, it's not ever okay with us if God's work is not okay. If God's work's not continuing, if his work is not going on, he wants us to take our place in serving him and being a blessing. Some of you may be basketball fans and some of you may not, but all of us can relate to it. You know, when you have a basketball team, you have 12 players, right, Mike? 12 players on the team. And a lot of times, some of those players don't even get into the game or very often. You might see them play one minute, three minutes, five minutes where they're not a starter. They sit on the bench. And so those bench players, they're called role players. They have a role to play. So when they get into the game, they do their best to help their team win. And it's so encouraging and exciting to see sometimes you see those players on the bench sitting there and sometimes they get so excited, they jump up and start clapping and cheering for their teammates, right? That's a good role player. That's a good bench player. He's ready to go in and he also cheers on his teammates. And what an encouragement for us who serve the Lord. We should be ready at an opportunity's notice to serve the Lord. And we should encourage those who are serving the Lord. We should appreciate those who God has put over us as pastors, as teachers, as elders, as workers in our midst. We should appreciate it and we should encourage them and we should be ready ourselves to be servants of the Lord. As the Lord Jesus Christ said, I must be about my father's business. You know, the story is told of a man named Charles Simeon who was waiting to conduct a funeral service in a cemetery and he was there looking at the gravestones and the epitaphs that were there and he was struck by the words of one of the gravestones and it said this, when from the dust of death I lie to claim my mansion in the sky, even then This shall be my plea. Jesus hath lived and died for me. Oh, he thought that was beautiful. And it is beautiful. So he said, I would love to share this with somebody. I wish there was somebody here I could share it with. And he looked around and he saw this woman who looked very sad, very distressed, very down. So he said, ma'am, come on, I want to show you something. And so he took her over to it. And there it was. And he let her read it for herself. And then he... He introduced himself to her and he went over and visited her the next day at her house. And he found the home was a scene of poverty and squalor. He found that the old that the woman's old mother was dying of asthma and two little children, very dirty, were trying to warm themselves by the fire. Simeon prayed with the family that day and visited them again another day and found assistance for them. Later, the woman told Simeon that she had been in the cemetery for five hours and contemplating suicide when he called her to read that epitaph. Because of his concern, she trusted Christ and the family situation was changed. 
How do we know how God is going to use us, do we? When we get up in the morning, we say, Lord, use me today. And we don't know how he's going to use us, but he can use us if we're willing, if we're available, and if we're useful to him. Yes, what a blessing to be about the Father's business. We walk in a world, Mike mentioned it on Friday night, it's a broken world. It's a sinful world. It's a sad world. You turn on the radio and you hear one bad thing after another after another happening in the United States and happening in the world. There's needs everywhere. Everywhere needs. We have to be the ones to do the Father's will. To say, Lord, I want to be about your business today. Let me serve you today. Let me help somebody today. Let me show somebody Jesus today. As we talked about in the scripture memory class, let me show your love to people. Let me show it in practical ways. I love the hymn writer that says, said these words, Who is on the Lord's side? Who will serve the king? Who will be his helpers, other lives to bring? Who will leave this world's side? Who will face the foe? Who is on the Lord's side? Who for him will go? Me. You. We have to be those who are willing and be available for him. And then the final thing we have to remember is we want to be useful to the master. He has a lot of work for us to do, but we have to be useful. And it reminds us the story of Nehemiah when he was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And remember, it went real smooth, right? Everybody was on board and working well and there was no opposition and it just finished real good. No, in fact, he was doing a great work and the greater the work, the greater the opposition. And that's true today, too. The greater the work for Christ, the greater the opposition. If we make a commitment today to serve the Lord, you're going to be opposed by Satan. You're going to be distracted and discouraged by this world every which way. And Nehemiah was in that position. He left his position in Shushan, which was the capital of that day of the Persian Empire. He was a cupbearer for the king. He got permission for the king to go to Jerusalem to encourage the people of God who had returned there and to do their mission. And when he got there, he saw everything in ruin. But he said, we can do this. We can build it. We can build this wall. And he had opposition for the, that trilogy. Three terrible people. There was Geshem, there was Sanballat, and there was Tobiah. Three enemies. Three enemies. Well, two of those three enemies called him and say, Nehemiah, there's people that want to kill you. Come down here to us and we'll join forces with you and we'll protect you. Well, Nehemiah was a man of God and he, he saw right through their scheme. He knew they wanted to kill him. They wanted to stop the work. And so he made a very clear and declarative statement to those people in Nehemiah chapter six and verse three. He said, so I sent messengers saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it to go down to you? He said, don't let those enemies keep you from serving the Lord. And we have enemies like that, too. We have the enemy of discouragement. We have the enemy of, of pain. We have the enemy of evil things happening around us. And sometimes we can get so focused on those things that we lose sight of the mission that God has for us, that we would be about the Father's business. And God wants to use us, but he wants to do it in his way. And in order for us to be vessels 
And it's interesting, the Holy Spirit always works. Jim mentioned that in the scripture memory class, if he, want, if he wants us to be vessels for him and he wants us to be clean vessels, holy vessels, vessels for honor, fit for the master's use. And Ed's going to put up Second Timothy chapter two and verses 20 and 21. We had this as our scripture memory verse quite a while back, and it's a beautiful portion. It says, but in a great house. There are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of clay. Some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. I said, wow, Lord, that's a challenge. Because you know what he does? He takes us the way we are right now, but he doesn't leave us there. He develops us. He gives us gifts. He gives us resources. He gives us talents. And he says, I want you to be a clean vessel for me. I want you to serve me and not to let these things of this world overcome you. And the question is for us, are we willing to be those kind of vessels for the Lord? Are we willing to be a clean vessel for the Lord? I love this verse in Luke chapter 17 and verse 10 because it tells about a servant. And I think it's best to look at the whole context of it. I'm going to read the whole thing. We have verse 10, but we're also going to look at Luke Luke chapter 17. Let's read the verses ahead of it, too, because it really gives you a, a perspective on what this story is that the Lord is telling there. And let's start reading. Sorry to throw you a curve, Ed, but let's start reading at verse 7. Luke chapter 17, verse 7. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down and eat? But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me until I have eaten and drunk? And afterward, you will eat and drink. So likewise, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. This story of the of the servant is a really good story because it goes to show that God has given us duties. He's given us duties to do for him. We can't take any credit for it because he's given us the gifts. He's given us the talents. He's given us the opportunities. All we have to do is be willing, be available And be useful. And when we do that, he will do his work through us. And we can say with this servant, we're unprofitable servants. We have just done what was our duty to do. But remember this. A lot of times when you talk about duty, you think duty. I have to do it. Oh, I don't really like it that much, but it's my duty. I have to do it. No, it's duty with delight. It's duty with delight because we have a duty to serve the Lord. We have the delight. And how can we not have a delight in doing his service and doing his will after what he's done for us? You look at who we are serving, the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And then you say, how can I say no to him? How can I say, no, I can't do it? How can I say, no, I can't help that person? No, I don't want to get involved. We can't do it. It's our duty to serve the Lord. It's our duty to do the Father's business. But we need to have that delight like the Savior had. 
He had that joy in doing the Father's will. He got up early in the morning and spent time praying to the Father. And he spent time over the Word of God. And then he went out and he delighted to do it. And he got tired. You can see it. He got weary and tired. We get weary and we get tired too. We get tired in the work, but not of the work. Because we delight to do our Lord's will. We delight to do it. And that's the goal, is to do it for His glory. You know, Gene Gibson used to always say, and Bill can back me up on it. He said, brothers, it's better to burn out than to rust out, right? (laughs) It's better to burn out, give your all and be just weary, but yet pursuing that finish line and finish it. And then you've won the race rather than to rust out by sitting and doing nothing. You know, they even tell you today, medical doctors say, that if you have a sedentary lifestyle, it's going to affect you physically. You need exercise. You need to be active. You need to keep going. Sitting is not good. We have to be busy. And the same thing is true in the kingdom of God. Sitting is not good. Christianity is not a spectator sport. We're not to sit on the bench. He wants us out in the battle. He wants us in the game. He wants us to be in it for His glory. And when we do that, we can be a blessing because one day we're going to stand before our Savior and He's going to say, Jessica, well done. Well done. Gilbert, well done. Janie, well done. Milton, well done. Could there be anything better? Could there be any reward greater? I don't think when we get to heaven... When he gives us the crowns and everything like that, we're going to cast them at his feet. We know that. I don't think that's going to be the best part of it. The best part of it is when he says those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what it takes. May God help us to learn the lessons that he wants us to learn and to be about our father's business. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ did and that's what he wants us to do. So let's remember these lessons this morning. There's three things. Ed, if you want to put those back up there again, please. Three things that we've seen today. If you want to be a servant of the Lord, you want to do his will, you want to please him, you want to be involved in the Father's business, you have to be willing. You have to be willing. And you can't just say, yes, I'll do it and not do it. You have to have a willingness to say yes and do it. Secondly, you have to have an availability. You have to say, I'm going to show up. I'm going to be there when the church is open. I'm going to be there. I'm going to when there's a need. I'm going to help. I'm going to give. I'm going to support. And when we take that upon ourselves, that's the kind of availability God is looking for us to have. Third, we have to be useful. He wants to use us to be useful We have to be fit for the master's use. We have to be sanctified. We have to be holy. We have to be clean vessels for him. And then he can use us. I mean, if he if this man, Simeon, Charles Simeon, wasn't a clean vessel, he would not have had that opportunity to to speak to that lady and then go to the family and just be involved in their life. He was ready. He was yielded. He was willing and available to serve the Lord. And God can use us when we're humble yielded and clean vessels, and we can, should never lose sight of our mission. So remember, these words that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke at the age of only 12. He was only 12 when he said it. And he said, I must 
be about my father's business. It's amazing if you took just these words and you put a different emphasis on each of the words, it has a little bit of different meaning and it really was a blessing to me when I thought about it. First of all, I must be about my father's business. I must, the emphasis on must, be about my father's business. I must be about my father's business. I must be about my father's business. I must be about my father's business. And I must be about my father's business. And the last one is, I must be about my father's business. His will. And if we have this desire, God will bless us so much. You can't outgive the Lord. You can't. And if you make yourself willing you make yourself available, you make yourself useful, think what God can do. There's no restrictions on it whatsoever. May the Lord help us. And if there's anyone here this morning that has not received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can't be willing, you can't be available, and you can't be useful because you don't know. You don't have a personal relationship with Christ. He wants to save you. He wants to change you. And you say, well, Dean, you don't know about my past. You don't know what I've done. You don't know who, how many people I've hurt and all the damage, all the baggage I have, all the bad things. Maybe I don't. God does. And He forgives. We heard about it at the breaking of bread. He'll remove your sins as far as the east is from the west. He'll forgive you. He'll put away your past. He'll give you a new life. He'll save your soul. He'll give you a home in heaven. All you have to do, though, is you have to come to Him. And the first way you come is willing to come. Willing to come. And to come and stand before Him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know it. I've sinned against You. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe in Him that He paid that price for me. And I accept Him in my heart as my Lord and as my Savior. And if you make that simple prayer today, He will save you and He will give you a new life and you will be jumping for joy, walking and leaping and praising God. And then you will say, I want to serve the Lord too. I want to tell others about Him as well. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank You for this message today, Lord. It is a challenge to us, but it is our desire, Lord, in our hearts to be about the Father's business. Lord, You have done so much for us. You have given us so much. You have saved us. You've changed us. And we just pray that we will be about your service, Lord. And we pray that you'll bless the work of this church. We pray that you'll bless the work of every godly, Bible-believing church in this nation and throughout the world. We pray for the Christians, Lord, this morning that are suffering persecution in many parts of this world. But they love you, Lord. And they're serving you under very difficult and intense circumstances. And they continue to serve even when they take their homes away from them and they, and they take their possessions and they put them into prisons and all kinds of things happen to them. Lord, help us to pray for them as they pray for us. And we just thank you, Lord, that we have your business to do. We have your work to do. Time is short. Are there not 12 hours in the day, Jesus said, but we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, for the night is coming when no one can work. Lord, help us to be workers, to be servants, and to do your will. 
We just pray this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen.